And welcome to another fabulous episode of Sports Matters. We have a great show lined up for you. I'm your host, Kevin Drake, and your other host, good morning, Matt Bird. How you doing? Good morning. How's it going, Kevin? Good. We're going to go over some Women's World Cup, a little Wimbledon preview, tournaments coming up July 1st. We'll touch on the NBA Awards, and we'll be doing our famous quotes. First, I just want to lead off. The 2026 Winter Olympics are going to be in Milan, Italy. Wow. How about that? Where does the big it, supper is. Does it snow? It does, yeah. Now, Milan's still pretty north. There's also another small town where they're going to be doing a lot of the skiing part. We have the Women's World Cup going on. And first of all, congrats to the USA team. They just won their first knockout round game. Now they're in the quarterfinals, and they're going to play France. Yeah, I know. the home That's going to be a tough. That's going to be a tough game. But Spain was a really tough match for them because Spain is an up-a-comer. They got some serious talent, and they will be competing with the U.S. for years to come. This is a great Spain team, and the fact that they were so physical with the U.S., they kept like the big striker from not scoring. She's really, really good. Alex Morgan that I'm speaking of, and they really, they just swallowed her up. They were very physical with her, and it just came down to two penalty kicks. And Megan uh, Rapinoe, boy, she loves that left corner because she made both her goals. Raponi. Raponi. It sounds like an Italian pasta. I guess that's the thing. Well, it's R-A-P-I-N-O-E. Raponi. Raponi. Yeah. I, I was listening to the broadcast, and that's what they were saying. That they call her Raponi. I thought it was Rapinoe. <laughs> Rapinoe. But, but, yeah, I mean, the second penalty kick had a little bit of controversy in it. Personally, I wouldn't have called that. But as the U.S. would say, you know, we'll take it, you know. And uh, as Spain would say, oh, we got the we got unlucky. I think there was a little bit of that in this game. There's some controversy, but it's always fun to see these girls compete at such a high level. Uh, they're I, competing I at the highest women. level. These yeah. women compete. Ladies at- are competing at the highest level. I think because Spain was playing so aggressively, that's probably what prompts for certain calls to be made. Because you see some of the plays on Alex Morgan, you thought she would get like a free kick here and there the way they were playing her and and she didn't get that. I don't know. It's so tough when you officiate on this level, especially like you said, Matt, these ladies are just playing superb football on a high level world stage. And yes, you know, certain things are just going to happen. It's still tough to officiate. Yeah. But I, I think overall they're doing a pretty good job. You never want it to come down to officiating. Well, it's it's tough to officiate all sports, including youth sports. I mean, so I have a great crazy. quote. Yes, from this game, if they had a win from penalties, it's because we've really shown our worth and we've given them a run for the money. Coach Jorge Vilva of Spain talking about the U.S. women. Yeah, they did. They did. Because this team, you know, you got the Olympics will be coming up again. World Cup is just four years away. And this Spanish team is going to be a serious contender. Yeah. And I think it's not their time just yet. But the U.S. team moves on, marches on to France. So, And that's an equally as tough team that they're going to be facing in France that knocked out Brazil with Marta. The best women's soccer player in the world. Yes. Yeah, yes. I, I read caught, that little piece on her. Yeah. Yeah, she has scored in five World Cups, and she is the leading goal scorer in World Cups, regardless of gender, with 17 goals. She had passed that this year. That's amazing. So, yeah, 17 goals. She has, I think, one more than uh, the top person. So the quarterfinals on the USA side said you got France versus USA. 
and then Norway versus England, and then the winners of those will meet in the semis. And then on the other side, you got Sweden and Germany that are in the quarterfinals. Eight teams left. Yes. Starting to get to the good, you know, really good, intense soccer. The U.S. team is still the favorite. They do have a tough matchup in France. They're going to have to go through a team that has home field advantage and home country advantage right now. And this France team is not a bad team at all. And we're going to see a very tough game between both these teams. This French defense is very good. And I expect to see the very similar kind of results as the Spain game. And, you know, it's it's kind of it's a toss-up, you know, at this rate because the U.S. will play them like the U.S. does. And I think they learned a little bit from that Spain game. But at the same time, home field advantage does come into play. So I, I think this is going to be a close game. You know, and, and oh yes, and that's that's saying like n- not always the best country wins the World Cup. Not at all. It's all about who's playing hot. Every game it gets more difficult. Now you're in the quarterfinals, and there's a lot at stake right here. And like you said, Matt, France definitely has the advantage in a sense of the home field advantage. That's huge, especially on the world stage like this. So definitely it's going to be a great challenge for the United States of American women. But I am so confident in them. This is such a fun team, and they're very resilient. They really showed it against Spain, so I still think they can edge out France, but it's going to take a full, valiant effort from everyone, and they got to be prepared just in case that they are going to be aggressive towards some of their big strikers. they got to get that ball moving around, get crafty, be able to get some goals. So over the weekend, Roger Federer just won his 102nd tournament win, so he's now trailing Jimmy Connors by seven. He says it's not his goal to beat that record, but he's playing really well this year. He won the Noventi Open. It's a nice tune-up to Wimbledon, which starts on July 1st. Right now, the qualifiers are going on. It's the third slam of the year. Always follows the French Open, the slow surface. Now you're on the fastest surface, that being grass. It's going to be a great tournament. And, I mean, Federer is definitely one of the the favorites to win. Obviously, Djokovic is defending his title from a year ago because that's when he started his slam run there until it ended at the French Open. He's won three straight. That's going to be interesting. And then another person. From the big four, not Rafael Nadal, Andy Murray is back. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Andy, Andy Murray? Andy Murray is back. Now Did he retire? He announced his retirement at the Australian Open, and then he got hurt. And he had that same hip injury as one of the Bryan brothers, Mark Bryan did. And when Mark Bryan got that surgery, he kind of like walked Andy Murray through it. So Andy Murray did the surgery. Now he's back, but he's playing doubles. His first doubles action, and he played with uh, Feliciano Lopez at the Fever Tree Champions, which is one of the Queen's tournaments, and won. They won together, doubles. He just won a doubles title. And they beat those twins that were really good. Yes. The the brothers that you are talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they beat them in the earlier round, but yes, they did. They won that tournament. And this week, he's uh, warming up. He's going to play with Mello. Carmelo Anthony? (laughs) Marcelo Mello. Oh. I got excited. I was like, dang, that's a future. That's a career path tournament. This is the Nature Valley invitation, the last little tune-up before. It's just a quick little tournament. You know, it's not that. It'll be over with by the weekend. He's going to play in Wimbledon. He's going to pair up with one of the four-time doubles winner, Pierre Hebert from Mm. France. Andy Murray has actually played really well. Doubles is is a lot less 
stress, stress on the yeah. body because you're even though it's slightly bigger court, but you got two people. You got one guy playing up front, and the other guy in the back. Usually the the guy that serves, so the long hits they'll they'll be hitting back and forth. They'll be kind of rallying, and it's just up for the guy that's playing up close to the net to make that timely hit to hopefully get the point. Doubles tends to go fast. I mean, sometimes there's some really nice rallies on doubles. Usually it's it's a pretty fast game, and it's a lot of fun. That's what's nice about it when you go to these Grand Slam events is that not only you get to see some of the best singles for both men's and women's, but you go watch some of the doubles matches. It's really interesting and very, very entertaining. So there's definitely a lot for the tennis enthusiast. That's going to be great. A.D. Murray looked really sharp. Now, who's to say? I don't know what he'll be ready for singles play. They're saying possibly the U.S. Open. He's not even talking about singles competition. Don't even put a time frame no. on it. You know? I'd I love to see him do it at the Australian Open next year. But is it safe to say he's back? He's back. He's back playing doubles. He's 32 now, so tennis age, that's that's kind of like, okay, that's about the average age of, of starting to retire. But you could prolong your career by playing doubles. There's players that play well into their 40s. Makes it more interesting, the fact that one of the big four is back, but he's not playing in the singles Wimbledon, but he will be playing in the doubles. And that's going to be interesting. That'll be fun to watch. Is this the best, most competitive tennis has been in you know, since Andre Agassi and Pete Sampras? Because I know those were just two, but we have four, I mean, three realistically. But really, the big four. The big four, they've all like, four of those guys have Andy been. Andy Murray is really good at tennis. Like, I'm not. Well, he was the number one player for a good year and, and was, a half. But, like, you don't just come back from these things right now. Right now, we have three really good Well, we still players. have the big three, but he's still part of the big four. But now you could say Dominic's team is the big four, especially when it's on clay. So. Is this the golden age of tennis? Are we in the best tennis has ever been played? Well, you're in an era in the last 15 years was dominated by the big four. And that's never happened in men's tennis before. And so with that domination of these big four, that no one else really has a chance to win the slams. I mean, you you get one name here and there, like Stan Wawrinka won at one time, you know. Or other than the, the French Open, I think Wimbledon, it's only been the big four. The big four has won it the last 15 years. So no one else has really had the opportunity. So it's basically been dominated by the big four on the men's side on the singles tour. To answer your question, this year I think it's more competitive. I think there's a little bit of vulnerability with some of the big three. Obviously, Djokovic is on top of his game. you got Roger Federer who's going to be the heavy favorite. There actually are a few guys that can make some noise, like Stefano Tsitsipas. I think he could break through. He's made that comment where, hey, it's up to us young guys to, to beat these guys on the world stage, to beat these guys in a slam shift that momentum to the younger generation. Yeah. Dominic team has the ability to do so. Hasn't happened yet, but they definitely have the ability to do so. Now the women's side, yes, it's been very, very competitive. Very competitive. And you got a lot of young and upcomers like Ashley Barty who just won French Open. She's well, twenty three years old. That's because Serena's coming back from a baby. Yeah. Serena, her goal is to win two more slams and if she's able to do that within the next couple of years, she's gonna retire after that. I, yeah, I mean, I expect her to as well, but it's Serena. It's like Tiger. Tiger yeah. comes back, plays unbelievable guard. I don't know. Like, Serena Williams is in her class of her own. It's like, you know, the main person in that sport that could just come over and dominate. And she's so. got a fine career making commercials. You ever see the oh, car commercial yeah. one? That's just, that's she's so cool. Fine. You know, she's also, yeah. she's also um, married to the guy that created Reddit. So yes, she's doing fine. And she's oh, got yeah. a little baby. Her she's brand doing is doing just fine as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, I got another quote for you. You're going to like this one. 
It's an honor to be recognized with the best players in the country. I am greatly looking forward to making most of the opportunity. Trenton Denholm from UCI. Hey. He just got selected USA Baseball Collegiate National Team. That's a mouthful. That is. Congratulations to you, Mr. Denholm. He's also the Big West Pitcher of the Year. He's got a bright future. Being a sophomore and doing what he did, win the Big West Player of the Year as far as as a pitcher, that's really, really tough to do, especially as a sophomore. This guy is destined to be a great pitcher in the major leagues. We'll get to see how he does on the world stage. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, this that's, is going to be exciting. The, you know, that's exciting in itself, and that's the more important. You're you're representing this country against the the world's best. Absolutely, it puts UCI baseball on the world stage. But this is a, historically a really great baseball program to come. It to always has play. been. It always and, has been. And then Coach Orloff has really taken the reins, you know, from Coach Gillespie, and he's keeping the wheels turning. Oh yeah. But we also can't forget about this is the college baseball World Series. Right now, it's the last week. They played the first game on Monday. And Michigan got the win. Michigan got the win, a very hard-fought win. And Michigan's kind of like a uh, a big underdog in now, this. Now, is this a best-of-five series? Or is no, it it's best, best of, three? of three. So, so they still do best they, of three. If they win tonight, they win the Carl's World Series. But wow. if they lose, they play another game tomorrow. The winner and this is against uh... Vanderbilt. Ooh. So you also will have seen... Between the last two teams that Michigan has played, which will be now Vanderbilt, and they will have played uh, another team. They will have played 20 MLB players, MLB drafted players between both the teams. 20. That's kind of crazy. There's 10 people drafted on this Vanderbilt team. 10. Number two overall pick was from Vanderbilt. So this is a really stacked Vanderbilt team. Well, hopefully they tie it up, make it a best of three. It comes down to one game. Ooh, that'll be exciting. That would be exciting. Although I'm kind of rooting for Michigan. Go Michigan. I, I like the underdog story. I mean, they really were slept on. Well, they have an opportunity game. to close it out. They do. They do. Well, how about the NBA? I know we had the draft last week, and I don't really care to talk too much about the draft. There's so much moving and shaking, and there's a lot of trades that are unsettled, and all the dust is not going to settle until somewhere in July. Are we talking NBA right now? But, yes, we got to right. go with the MVP. I got, I got an NBA quote before we get into the Please, MVP. Please, let's open with a quote. Jeannie Buss saying, I've got confidence in Rob, as opposed to literally three weeks ago, Magic Johnson said, oh, who's the person that backstabbed you? Oh, it was just Rob. She, she also said that uh, it was a surprise that Magic Johnson resigned. She goes, but she's got Rob Polinka's back. Yeah, she should because Magic left. You know, what What else is she going to do? She's going to be like, I don't know. But, I mean, it's just it's kind of funny because it ma- it was Magic being about Magic. And I didn't, I, I mean, like, I think more of the blame is to go on Magic than it is Rob Polinka. From what I've been hearing, he was literally not in the office. He didn't seem like he was all that invested. I mean, he has so many different hats that he has to put on, you know. With right, right. And he's and such a great ambassador man. of the Lakers, being a, a Laker legend. And He needed you know, to just take a board, like yeah. a basketball. He, he, he not, just got upset, and he, he did what he did. And, you know, it's it's water underneath the bridge now. And, and things will repair. You give it a little bit more time. Magic is already back in good graces with the Lakers. He's all, one of their all-time Lakers legends you know and he's also going to be a recruiter for the lakers for years to come i'd always thought it was a band-aid type thing with him just stepping in helping out and he did he kind of resurrected the franchise a little bit but you're right matt when it comes down to -to day-to-day operations it's a full-time job you can't have 
multitude of other businesses that you're running. I just thought it was kind yeah. of funny. Is yeah, like, I you, agree. You look back, it's like, I mean, Magic, why are you doing this? <laughs> like, what's the point? You're going on TV and saying this? Yeah. Just, you just sound kind of like petty by doing it. I don't know. It, it still rubs me the wrong way. The but Palenka, you know, he pulled off that trade. Well, it's, I mean, That's it's not finalized. Trade. That's a huge trade. Well, it's not finalized for a reason. It's because the, the Lakers could end up with more cap space if they True. approved the trade on July 6th. Getting a third max player, if they get the guy that they want, if not, maybe just putting some mid-level guys in there and really build up a strong supporting cast, kind of like what the Toronto Raptors had. Yeah. I, I think that would be more, because you already got two big superstars, because so LeBron still got some gas in the tank. When they built the super team in Miami, if you do remember, they had to do the same exact thing what the Lakers are doing now. They went out precisely they three max contracts, and then they filled it with a bunch of guys that were filling kind of players. You had Mario Chalmers. You know, eventually they went in and got Ray Allen later on the line. But when it was first created, it had its huge struggles in the very beginning, and then they started to turn it around. Obviously, because the the younger players kept getting playing time, making mistakes, and learning from them. Right. It's the same thing that's going to happen with the Lakers if they get a third max player. Who knows? They may even have to pluck some players from the big three. Yeah, the three probably. Three. <laughs> I heard Greg Oden's back in there. You could go get him. Yeah. He's healthy. The Birdman's there the too. Bird he man. played with LeBron Joe Johnson. I yeah. actually watched my first ever yeah. big three game this past weekend. Well, I got a basketball quote for yes. you. This is just the beginning. My goal is to win a championship, as my dad taught me. Always want more and never be greedy. My goal is to win a championship, and I'll do whatever it takes to make that happen. Giannis Antetokounmpo. The uh, MVP. The MVP. He averaged 27.7 points, 12.9 rebounds, and 5.9 assists this year. He is the... NBA's 2019 League MVP. Congrats to Giannis. Yeah. The Rookie of the Year went to Luka Donich. Doncic. Uh, he earned it. Come on. He yeah, earned it. He earned it. I mean, like, Trey Young was really good the back half of the year, but Luka Doncic was doing things that not many basketball players can do. Yeah, he's he's great. And then, of course, sixth man of the year, Lou Williams. That's become a regular name. He's won All, it for the third, third time. time. Although it probably also could have gone to Montrez Harrell. Let's not, you know, let's not mix too many things because it, it was interchangeable between those. It was. Two, they, sure. they should have been co. I know. That would have been such a cool moment. The NBA, like all these Clippers fans would have been so happy to see that. And the NBA, would. I thought that that would have been a home run for the NBA to do. And your defensive player of the year is Rudy Gobert. Typical. And guess who was second in defensive player of the year? Who? Giannis. Oh, of course. <laughs> of course. But Rudy Gobert was unbelievable defensively. I mean, he's he's just, I mean, he has really good lateral quickness and blocking shots, you know. So I thought that was well-deserved. And no surprise, the most improved player, Pascal Siakam. That's all. Ah, uh, yeah, I I do like that. I mean, there is a couple of other ones that you could have looked. D'Angelo Russell for sure. That guy has had a, quite a few improvements. He, he definitely had. He definitely had. Coach of the year, Mike Budenholzer yeah, from the that's, Bucks. That's deserved because I mean, the and then Bucks the executive of the year, John Horst. But of you course. think about, it, they're in the middle of the pack, and they went to the, be the best record in the NBA. The the Bucks. They came up the short against the champion Toronto Raptors. Yeah, I mean, they deserve the accolades for what they did because comparison of what Milwaukee was yes. last year, where they were a first round and bounce. You know. I think that that was a dramatic So I hit you with this question before. Yes. The only player to win an NBA MVP, 
Then that player became a coach and won Coach of the Year. And then that coach went on to be an executive of the year. Larry Bird. There you go. Yes. I remember these questions. Yes. I remember these. And for you listeners Bring out me there. the trivia night. Yes. We'll win. That's just such an amazing accomplishment. When you think about someone who knows basketball, you look up, it's Larry Bird. I yeah. love it. It's amazing. Speaking of the NFL, the Los Angeles Rams training camp begins here at UCI July 27th. Ooh, that's coming up. And I hear they're doing uh, a joint practice so that with the uh, L.A. Chargers. Oh. Remember how it was two years ago? So that's going to be interesting. The fact that Eric Weddle is on the Rams, and that's his former team who he just despises the franchise itself. Not the players that he played with, but the franchise itself, because they kind of they didn't they didn't really do him so well when he left out. They're part of the reason why he went to Baltimore for the last three seasons. But that's going to be even more well, you fun know to watch. You know what? Eric Weddle's got a very bright future. I hope he becomes a coach because he could be a very good coach. It sounds like, and you he's going to be great. But here's the thing: you, maybe if, when you look at the average play in the NFLs from three to five seconds, the thirty seconds that goes on. Before that play is done, that's what's so fascinating about the game and what Eric Weddle does. And I'm going to ask him that question that take us through those 30 seconds. Yeah. Because it's should. amazing what he's doing. It's different. The quarterback's calling out plays. We're all so focused on the offensive side. You don't really see what's going on on the defensive side of the ball. But you see Weddle, you know, really keeping the, the defense lines up the same every single time so you don't give away stuff. Because the problem is the offensive quarterback especially if you have a Tom Brady could pick you apart so you want to give him the least amount and then right at the last seconds that's when you get into your formations and you kind of know what's coming because you you look at all the reads that the if the offensive lineman's got his you know his fist on his legs or whatever or he's got the three-point stand he could tell if it's going to be a pass block or it's going to be a run and it's just amazing what he does but what was your thought that you were going to say I was going to say sign him to the coaching staff after he's done well yeah definitely <laughs> That's I, I couldn't agree simple. with you more. I couldn't agree with you more. He's got a bright future, it sounds like. And you know what? These Rams team have a bright future after going to the Super Bowl just one year ago. They add in Clay Matthews. They lose Adamakid Sue, which, I mean, that's a loss. But you still have Aaron Donald. He's still got Brockers. And Fowler. And Fowler. And you still you put up Clay Matthews. Oh, I know. That's, that's another person I have even talked about, Clay Matthews and his veteran leadership. And how sweet it is going to be for him to play. It's going to be the last NFL season at the Memorial Coliseum. And he played there during at college USC, at USC. Yeah. So that, that'll be kind of sweet. And then when they roll into the new stadium the following year. But I don't want to jump ahead. Anyway, NFL's around the corner. NBA's got a lot of stuff going on. You got Wimbledon starts up July 1st. The Open golf tournament is coming up real soon. 